I actually have good things to say about this chapter. Like, a lot of good things. Like, I enjoyed this chapter. Like, this chapter didn't make me want to gouge out my eyes. Chapter 12, the mirror of Erised, Erised, it's the word desire backwards, and so I think that it's going to have something to do with desire. Uh, the chapter opens with Christmas is coming, and here's a dumb thing the book keeps doing. There's almost no continuity from chapter to chapter. Like, about a month has passed between these two chapters, but apparently nothing significant happened in that month. And they didn't even bother to learn who the fuck Nicholas Flamel is. They didn't have any further interactions with the evil guy that cursed Harry and then got set on fire a little bit. And so we're just right back into the dumb uh, plot. And so the winter is real bad and everything's frozen. And then remember that Dracula kid? Uh, he's like, I feel so bad for people who have families that hate them. And then he glares at Harry. And then his droogs crabby and pickles or whatever are like uh yeah he comes from a broken home that's funny to us for some reason and then ron and harry visit uh our friend hagrid and dracula kid is like oh you two sure are poor unlike me an annoying rich kid and they're like shut up rich kid and then harry's sidekick uh ron is like oh fuck this kid and he just like lunges at him and of course the uh our dude snape is walking by right at this very moment and so then he deducts some points from Gryffindor, and then Harry and his sidekick are both like, I hate those two people, the bad teacher and the bad student. I hate them both. They are our enemies, and we will have to defeat them by the end of this book series, is what they say. And then they go and they watch uh, some professors decorate shit with their magic wands, and then they're like, time to go to the library. And Hagrid doesn't like this, and he's like, you're a bit keen, aren't you? And I kind of like the use of the word keen here in this context, uh, meaning like, you guys are fucking idiots, like, calm the fuck down with your wizard shit, it's not that important. And then Harry is like, oh, we're not doing schoolwork, we're trying to figure out uh, who that Nicholas Flamel dude is, the one you very conveniently accidentally told us about, and who we ignored for the past month, apparently. And then the narrator, in an uncharacteristic recognition of uh, the, the omission contrivance, is like, oh, actually, they had been looking for Nicholas Flamel uh, the whole time. Ever since they learned about it. Yep, that's right. They scoured thousands of books, and they keep looking to no avail, and we find out that no longer Bossy Girl's parents are both dentists. What? They're dentists? Fucking dentists? Both of them? That's weird. And then there's this, like, restricted section of the library that houses uh, the crazy-ass books, and that's probably where you can find shit about Nicholas Flamel. But they can't go there because the librarian is like a total asshole and there's a lot of bureaucratic bullshit. And anyway, so Harry and his sidekick stay at Hogwarts for Christmas. And there's this honestly really endearing scene where Harry gets a present from Hagrid and also gets one from sidekick's mom uh, because sidekick said that he didn't think Harry would get anything. And then unbossy girl gives him chocolate frogs, which is a nice callback to the train ride. And this is probably like the first time in this whole book where I feel like I care about what's happening 
Like, it's really sweet that the sidekick cares about Harry and that Hagrid cares about Harry. There's this whole underlying community building within the context of the totally fucked up institution that is Hogwarts. And I like that. And, like, this is, like, a basically, like, a save the cat moment for these characters. Uh, it probably shouldn't be happening approximately 70% of the way through the book, but at least it's happening at all, where we're, we're seeing these characters in a context where we genuinely see that they are decent, morally upstanding people. And then Harry gets this thing called an invisibility cloak, which is exactly what it sounds like. And there's this mysterious note uh, in a handwriting that he doesn't recognize saying that it belonged to Harry's father, and it's time that it was returned to Harry, which is an odd use of the word return, but whatever. And then it's like, okay, cool, now he can go into that restricted area of the library and figure out who this Nicholas Flamel dude is. And then they have Christmas dinner, and we get this, like, George R.R. Martin-esque description of all the food. And they eat these crackers that, like, explode into blue smoke. And it's like, okay, we get it. You're eating wizard food and doing wizard shit. And then all these fucking rats pour out of their food, and it's like, that's fucking appetizing. And then Mumblecore is there, and he switched out his pointed wizard hat for a festive bonnet. Uh, and he decorates his beard with ornaments, probably. And then... Fucking Hagrid gets drunk and kisses Professor McGonagall without her permission. And then there's, like, another few pages of tedious description about how great Christmas was. And Harry's like, alright, time to think about this mysterious invisibility cloak. Let's take this bad boy out for a test drive. So he puts it on, and then he goes, of course, he goes to the restricted books section. And, like, weirdly, there's this sentence about how he realized all of a sudden that that's where he should go. Which is weird because that should be the very first thing you would think of if you got something like that. Like, oh, this will help me do that thing I've been obsessively trying to do for the last month. And he should have just been biding his time throughout the Christi Christmas festivities so that he could sneak into the library. But he instead just stumbles upon an incredibly convenient use for the random Christmas present he just got. And so then he sneaks in, and he opens a book, and the book starts shrieking. And the book is just, like, fucking yelling all insanely, and so he has to run away. And he runs away, and he overhears the librarian tell, tell Snapey that someone was sneaking into the restricted section. And so to hide from them, keep in mind, he is wearing literally an invisibility cloak, so he has no need to hide whatsoever. But this is a plot contrivance to get him into a secret crazy room. So he hides in a secret crazy room, and in the secret crazy room is a mirror with an ornate gold frame and an inscription that says a bunch of nonsense. Like, it's just a bunch of nonsense words. But the first word is Erised, which uh, is the name of this chapter, The Mirror of Erised, and it's also the word desire spelled backwards. And at this point, I'm not sure if that has any significance. Is this like a red rum kind of thing? And so then he looks in the mirror, and it's like this Disney Haunted Mansion ride-style mirror because he sees himself and a whole bunch of people behind him. And that seems really cool to me, uh, even though he gets really freaked out about it. And then he's like, whoa, check out that babe in the mirror. She's hot. And then he's like, whoa, her eyes are just like mine. I bet we're made of the same genetic material. And then he notices she's crying and smiling at the same time. And then there's this dude next to her who is tall and thin and has glasses and black hair that sticks up just like Harry's. And at this point, the narrator might as well just be like, remind you of anyone? And so Harry comes to realize that his whole family is in the mirror. And it fills him with a mixture of joy and sorrow. And he goes back and he tells Sidekick about it. And Sidekick's like, oh, it's probably a mirror that only shows you dead people. Anyway, sucks you didn't find out about Nicholas Flamel. And Harry's like, eh, who cares about Flamel? Or whatever the dog is guarding, whatever we've been caring about this whole book. I only care about my parents now. And it's like, hey, Harry, maybe it's all fucking connected, bud. Maybe this whole thing is about your past. 
And so then Ron and Harry go back to the mirror the next night, and of course it's uh, all a big like Michigan J Frog type thing where Ron can't see Harry's parents, even though Harry can. And then Ron looks closer and he realizes that he looks older in the mirror, and he's like some Quidditch superstar guy who's like the head boy. And hey, I have an idea. Maybe the Arised mirror shows you what you desire, because if you put the word Arised in a mirror, it spells desire. And then Harry is like, I'm going back a third night. And Ron is like, no, they'll catch you. And Harry is like, whatever, bossy girl, I'm going back. And so he goes back, and who is there but our friend Mumblecore? And he's just chilling in the back with his beard all tucked into his belt. Man, this dude is really something. I hope Snape doesn't kill him in one of the later books. And then Mumblecore is like, okay, check it. This is the mirror of Arised, and it shows you whatever you most desire. And fuck yeah, score one for Darren. And Mumblecore is like, you desire your family because they're all dead. And Ron desires to be the head boy because he's always overshadowed by his brothers. And when I look in this shit, I'm holding a bottle of crystal and a blunt. And then he's like, but you can dream a little dreamer. You can live a little dream. I'd rather live it because dreamers always chase but never get it. And I've just decided that Mumblecore is actually a hip hop dude for some reason. And then Harry asks Mumblecore what he sees when he looks in the mirror. And Mumblecore literally says, I'm holding a pair of thick woolen socks. And it's like, what a fucking scamp this guy is. Uh, what a rascal. And then Harry goes back to his bed and is like, I don't think that that's true. I think he sees himself not being killed by Snape. And so that's the end of the chapter. And I think this is actually probably the first chapter I enjoyed pretty much start to finish. I like the intrigue. I like the invisibility cloak. I like the mirror of Arised. And Mumblecore is cool as fuck, even though I still think he's an immoral piece of shit. Uh, or at the very least, insanely negligent. But he's... A fascinating character to me. He's well... Uh, I, I like it when he's there. And I like the theme of dreaming versus living. And uh, that desire is meaningless without action. I hope this gets further explored because it's one of the few themes in this book that I don't find to be actively ideologically destructive to the reader. So that's cool. And I think the whole book was just Harry Potter trying to figure out crazy mysteries like some kind of Philip Marlowe boy genius, that would be sick as hell. And I feel like the narrator has started to move from, like, neoliberal Dickens to, like, Wilkie Collins territory, and that is badass. So yeah, after a deluge of tedium in the last few chapters, The Mirror of Horizon has given me some small amount of hope for this series, but who knows? See you for the next chapter. <laughs>